Good morning. This morning's uh, scripture reading will come from chapter 5 of Ephesians, verses 1 through 21. So you guys want to turn to that and stand uh, to show honor to God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in, in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the use of the time because the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we uh, thank you for the reading of your word this morning, Lord. We ask that it would touch each one of our lives, Lord, and that we may grow in it. And now we pray for Pastor John as he brings the message, give him words to speak, give us hearts to listen to what he has to say, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pete. All right. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I just like hearing some of the different responses from some of the more unique people we have. <laughs> It is a good morning, and uh, I get the awesome opportunity to kick off uh, what we're going to be talking about for the next, next month, and that is our series called Unleashed. Uh, as you know, we've been going through the book of Acts, uh, which is about the unstoppable mission of the church. And for the next month, we want to talk about how we can unleash Eden, how you can unleash yourself to be a part of a contributing part of the unstoppable mission of the church. 
And I want to start with talking uh, or looking at 1 Peter 4, uh, verse 10. And I want to tell you, you have to listen very quickly this morning, okay? So listen quickly. Do you know how to listen quickly? All right. Well, hopefully you'll learn today. So 1 Peter 4.10, it says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, strictly speaking, uh, how many guys know there is only one interpretation for a passage of Scripture? Okay, well, since nobody knows that, let me tell you right now, there's only one interpretation for any passage of Scripture. There might be various applications, but when God inspired men to write something, those men had a specific intent behind what they wrote. And we need to make sure that we keep every passage within its context so we know the proper interpretation. Because if we don't know the, the proper interpretation of a passage, we're going to get the wrong application of a passage. And that's where we go off into false teaching. So having said that, strictly speaking, the interpretation of this passage has to do with spiritual gifts. But even though there is one strict interpretation, there can be various applications. How many guys think that the only grace God gives us is spiritual gifts? Exactly. So that's why, while there is one strict interpretation of this, that he is referring to spiritual gifts, which is obvious in the following verses when he talks about those who speak and those who serve, it's, it's in the context of spiritual gifts. The application, I think, can be made to the, very, the many various ways God lavishes his grace upon us as Christians. And I love how Ephesians 1 says that, that uh, in the beloved, in Christ, God lavishes his grace upon us. Uh, how many of you guys have uh, understand the word lavish? It, it, it's kind of like I had a friend who, this is how he would illustrate lavish. He loved Pepsi. That was his first flaw. Because um, Coke, yes, Coca-Cola, uh, or root beer, or Mountain Dew, or anything but Pepsi, really. Um, but anyhow, he loved Pepsi. And he would talk about how he would drink a Pepsi, and it would be good. But he said, but what I would love to do, I had a weird friend. He said, what I would love to do is just sit in a bathtub and have people pour Pepsi. Just lavish it and fill the tub. <laughs> but anyhow, no matter how weird that may be, that's a pretty good idea of what it means to lavish. It means to dump out everything on. And it says that God lavishes his grace upon us as believers. That when God pours his grace upon us, he doesn't hold back. He dumps it all out on us. So I think when this verse talks about, uh, when 1 Peter 4.10 talks about being good stewards of God varied grace, God's varied graces, strictly speaking, he's speaking of uh, spiritual gifts, but I think it can be applied to all of the various ways God lavishes his grace upon us. And... Before we get to what those may be, uh, first, that passage says that we are to be good stewards. Uh, what is a steward? Anybody want to offer an answer? Okay. A steward is someone who is 
put in charge of someone else's possessions or someone else's belongings. So they're, they're put in a managerial position over that. Uh, but further, a steward was to manage those possessions in such a way that it would benefit the owner. They were to manage those, those possessions as the owner would want them to. In other words, the steward didn't just decide, this is how I'm going to, to use and manage these. No, he said, okay, what would, how would the owner want these possessions? How would the owner want this property used? And that's what a steward would do. Uh, a person using the owner's property or possessions for his own benefit isn't a good steward by definition. A steward, a good steward, is somebody he uses and manages the other person's property the way that person would want them used. Which also, intrinsic in the word, is the fact that if, if you are a steward of something, it is not yours. If you are managing your own possessions, you're not a steward. But this says that we are to be good stewards. So if God says we are to be good stewards of his varied graces, that means that whatever it is God gives us in his grace is not ours. That we are to manage properly what God gives us. And again, that we are to manage it in a way that God would want it managed. If you don't manage what God gives you in the way God wants it managed, you are not a good steward. So that's what a good steward is here in, in 1 Peter 4. Somebody who manages what is given to them by somebody else to take care of in a way that the giver would want it managed. We cool on that? Everybody got that? So we're all on the same page for the rest of the time that we're talking about being good stewards. So uh, if we were to be good stewards of God, very great, God's very graces, what is it God has given us in his grace? Again, in this context of this passage, spiritual gifts, but that's not what I want to talk about today. What are some of the other things that God has given us by his grace? So we're going to be talking about the rest of this month. Time, talent, treasure. He's given us those three things. And I have the opportunity to talk this morning about how we can be good stewards of the time that we have how we can be good stewards of the time that we have. So that's what we want to focus on today. And uh, as far as time goes, I want to just get some truths out there about time. Uh, we, we have a lot of illusions about time. Well, I'm going to buy some time. I'm going to save some time. I'm going to make up some time. The truth is, you cannot buy time. You can't buy a minute of time with a pound of gold. You, you cannot buy time. Not only can you not buy time, you cannot save time. Time is something that can only be spent. You can't buy it, you can't save it. It can only be spent. And if not spent wisely or well, it is wasted time. We, we talk about buying ourselves some time or saving some time. But the truth is, the second, the one second that just went by can never be bought back. And you cannot take this minute right now and set it over here in a time savings account to use it later. It can't be bought. It can't be saved. It can only be spent. 
And that's why it is such a precious commodity because it can never be bought and it can never be saved. It can only be spent. And you cannot make up time. All you can do is rush through the time you have remaining now doing what should have been done or what you hope to have done in the time you had remaining then. You can't make up time. You can just rush through what's left. This is why we need to be serious about the time that we have. It can't be bought. It can't be saved. It can't be made up. Once a minute is gone, it is gone for all eternity. Time is the most precious resource we have because between time and money, your bank account can be replenished. Your time can never be replenished. Your time can never be replenished. So I want to look at Ephesians today. And uh, we read uh, verses 1 through 21 to get the context. But to save time, I want to just look at... uh, See what I did there? Uh, To save time... Um, But what I want to do this morning, uh, the reason I wanted that whole passage to be read is to keep everything within context. But I really do want to specifically uh, look at verses 15 and 16. There in Ephesians 5, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. He says there in verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk. In other words, what he is saying here is in response, uh, or it is a response to something he has said previously. Look carefully then. In other words, because of everything I just said, you need to look carefully how you walk. So what is it he said before? Well, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, he said, therefore, be imitators of, of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Paul is saying that walking wisely and making the most use of our time is a response to Christ giving himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But notice there in even verse 1 of chapter 5, he starts with the word therefore. And so what are you supposed to do when you see the word therefore? See what it's there for. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians are all a response to what Paul says in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians. That's why uh, when I teach through Ephesians, I I teach that Ephesians can be divided up into three main uh, groups. A Christian's wealth, a Christian's walk, and a Christian's warfare. Chapters 1 through 3 Uh, focus on a Christian's wealth, the wealth we have in Christ, the many blessings, the many spiritual blessings we have in Christ. Chapters 4, 5, and the beginning of chapter 6 talk about our walk, a Christian's walk, and then the remainder of chapter 6 talks about our warfare as Christians. So it's a Christian's wealth, walk, and warfare. In chapters 1 through 3, Paul talks about the tremendous riches we have being in Christ, that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that in Christ we have been adopted, that in Christ we have been redeemed, that in Christ through his blood we have forgiveness of sins, that in Christ we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our uh, inheritance until God purchases us 
into eternity. That's just a little bit of the first chapter, not the whole three chapters where he goes through talking about the wealth we have in Christ. So when he says, carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because of the days are evil, he is really, it is all in response, not just to verses one and two of chapter five, but it's in response to the first three chapters of Ephesians. And the key phrase that you see all throughout those first three chapters is the phrase, in Christ. In Christ. That it is our identity in Christ, through Christ, that we have this myriad of blessings. Which makes, should make us look at verse, verses 15 and 16 differently. See, normally if we read something like this, a command like this, where he says, look carefully, it's, it's a command, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because of the days are evil. We look at it as a command that, well, that's what I need to strive to do because that's what's right. But when you follow Paul's thought process, going back to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, which is in response to chapters 1 and 3, we discover this isn't just a command that's a good thing for you to do. He is saying this, verses 15 and 16, is who you are. Not something you do. It's who you are. Because all this is in response to chapters 1 through 3, which is about who you are in Christ. So let's not look at verses 15 and 16 about making the best use of your time, being a good steward of your time. Let's not look at it as simply as something good you should do. Making the best use of, this, of your time is intrinsic in who you are in Christ. Which means if you're not a good steward of your time, there are some things that you need to work out between you and God. Because this isn't just, okay, you should do this and do this and do this. This is all in respect to who you are in Christ. Not just another tacked-on command for Christians. It's about who you are. Walking wisely because you are in Christ. It's who you are. Making the most, most use of your time because of who you are. Not just as something you should do. It's about who you are being a good steward of your time. So looking carefully how we walk. So what does it mean to look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time? In verse 2 of uh, chapter 5, he talks about how Christ gave himself up for us. And notice this is looking to Christ as an example. Because uh, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Look carefully then how you walk. Notice the joining word there, that common word. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. Look carefully then how you walk. Saying our walk should look like Jesus's walk. How do you walk wisely and using the time wisely? Look at how Jesus walked, loving us, giving himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So before we talk about what it means to be a good steward of our time and to walk as Christ, to walk as wise, 
uh, I want to establish something very clearly, and that is that time is something that is given to us by God. Psalm 139, verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there, were, there was none of them. It is God who has ordained our first day of life and the day on which we breathe our last. There is no time on this earth outside of those God-ordained boundaries. The time you have is absolutely given to you by God. How many of you guys, how many guys chose to be born? How many of you guys have created the time that you have in a day? How many of you guys have created the time that you have in your life? None of us have. It is God who created us, and it is God who gave us a set amount of time in this life beginning to end. And because that is something that has been given to us, it is something we are to be stewards of. Remember, it's not our possession. Our time and our life is not our possession. We didn't make it. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We did nothing. We were non-existent, and God spoke us into existence in our mother's wombs. It is time that God has given you and the question is, are you being a good steward of the time God has given you? So what does God say about this time that he's ordained for us? Uh, if you, and this is going to be a lot of Bible hopping today. If you want to turn in your Bibles over to Psalm 90. And, uh, in verse 12, he says, and this is a Psalm of Moses. Your, your Bible will probably tell you that. But he says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And he starts verse 12 out by saying, so. In other words, again, so is like the word therefore. If you see the word so, it means what he's saying is in response to what he has just said. So, <laughs> considering how much time we have left, listen quickly as I read verses 1 through 11. Uh, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight, or but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, and they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So... Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Moses, in verses 1 through 11, is meditating on how quickly time goes by. He asks God to help him, and then in verse 12, he's in response to Moses going, Time, life is short. It's a breath, it's a vapor. He's saying, God, because life is so short, Teach me to number my days. Help me to, help me to realize, help it to impact me. This realization that time is short. 
so that I can be wise. This life will soon be passed. This is, I heard this from John Piper. I was getting my Johns mixed up. John Knox, John Calvin, John MacArthur, John Piper. Uh, uh, John Piper. Uh, he said, uh, this life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. And it's, it's probably something you've heard before as well. Uh, it's one of those little sayings that's been around for a long time. But this life will soon be passed. Verses 1 through 11 of Psalm 90 makes that clear. This life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. How many of you guys remember who, what college won the national championships in 1962? <laughs> One of them, yeah. Now, was it a big deal for those players? For the coach? That college? Yeah, big deal that nobody remembers anymore. Big achievement. How many of you guys know the name Millard Fillmore? few of you. He is one of our presidents of the United States. <laughs> James Garfield, anybody? Uh, he is one of our presidents. William McKinley, one of our presidents. A lot of these men, Millard Fillmore is usually the one I pick because almost nobody remembers Millard. So, <laughs> poor Millard. <laughs> I just like saying his name, actually. Millard. If we have another kid, that's his name. <laughs> Even if it's a girl. <laughs> Middle name Fillmore, Millard Fillmore Mormon. It just rolls. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he was one of he was a president of the United States of America. Pretty significant achievement. Yet, hardly anybody even remembers who he was, or that he even was, that he even existed. This life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. If Paul had never come to Christ, would we even know that he existed? We might have heard about this guy who persecuted Christians back then, but he would have had no impact on today. And the only thing of Paul that lasted was what he did for Christ. I doubt any of the tents he made are still in existence. I doubt anybody has a Pauline tent going, dude, this is quality work. Only what he did for Christ lasted. This life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Ask God to teach you to number your days, to understand you have this much time. God has already ordained it for you. There is no time on this earth for you outside of what God has already ordained for you. The fact is, the day will never, ever come when you'll have more than 24 hours in a day. But the day absolutely will come when you will have less than that in a day. The day will never come when you have more than 24 hours in that day. But the time will come when you have less than that. Again, understand the preciousness and the value of your time. In Romans 13, it says, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. 
For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. What, what do you think Paul meant by that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, exactly, exactly. Uh, what Paul meant by this when he said salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed, he's not saying, I'm this much closer to getting saved than I was before. No, what he's saying is Christ's coming, the end of time, the time when God purchases, purchases his possession, like Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, the time when God takes us all to heaven is nearer now than the day when you, <coughs> than the day when you first believed. That was the first time I coughed today. Isn't that pretty awesome? So <laughs> so he says, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So it says we're to walk as in the daytime. Again, this concept of time and how we walk within that concept of time. So he's saying here that we walk as in the daytime by not serving our own desires. Let us walk properly, not doing this and that and this and that, uh, gratifying the desires of the flesh. He says we do not pave the way to satisfy our own desires, but put on Christ, who in Ephesians, Paul said, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So from Ephesians 5, that, those first couple of verses, from this passage in Romans, they all look again to Christ and how Christ lived his life, how Christ walked using his time. And it's all about not serving the flesh, but serving God. So how do we walk wisely? How do we walk making the best use of our time? The examples we see in Scripture is through serving. Not serving ourselves, but serving others, serving God. Making the best use of our time. Again, looking at the example of Christ, it was always not satisfying his own desires, but walking in a way to serve others and to serve his Father. That's how we walk wisely. That's how we make the best use of our time. That is the only way to be a good steward of the time God has given us. In 1 Peter 1, 17, he says that uh, our time here is going to be judged by how we live out of reverence for God, uh, knowing that he's going to judge our works. And I'll, I'll turn there and read it for you. First uh, Peter 1, 17. He says, And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the, throughout the time of your exile. The idea here is that as Christians, this is not our home. We are in exile here. <coughs> I was trying to turn away from the mic, and it, I can't. <coughs> uh, we are in exile here. This is not our home. And it says that while we are in exile, 
that we are to conduct ourselves with fear throughout this time. What is the result of conducting ourselves uh, with fear throughout this time? It says, understanding that if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to our deeds. Saying, keeping this in mind, that God judges us according to our deeds, use your time wisely here in exile. So in the, this concept that how do you use your time wisely? By understanding that your, ju- your deeds are going to be judged. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about how on Judgment Day, and Judgment Day seems like a scary thing, but we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. For those who, what a perfect time to, that was great. I love how God knows what he's doing, because uh, I don't. Uh, but when we are judged as Christians, we have nothing to fear. It says that our works are going to be put through the fire, and our works will be judged, wood, hay, stubble, or silver, gold, precious jewels, and that uh, our works may be burnt up in the fire, but will still be saved, but as though by fire. But those works that are wrought for Christ, those works that were part of serving Christ, will come through the fire, and we will receive a reward for them. So when it talks about God judging us according to our works, that's the context of it. Not are you good or are you bad? If you're bad, you're going to hell. But for Christians, when our works are found to be uh, in Christ, for Christ, we will receive a reward for them. So, again, it becomes obvious through all this, throughout the thread of Scripture, that to be a good steward of your time is to use your time to serve God and His body. Throughout the thread of Scripture, the good use of our time is linked to what we do. And to be a good steward is for what you do to be serving God and serving his body. There in Ephesians 5, he says, making the best use of your time for the days are evil. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. So again, why should we make the best use of our time? Because the days are evil. So the wise use of our time is in response to, because again, he says, because. Because of this, this is what you do. So because the days are evil, make wise use of your time. So the wise use of our time is in response to the evil of the world around us. So, how is making the most of our time a response to the evil of our day? Is devoting our life to pursuing the most well-paying job a response to evil? Is that going to counteract the evil in the world? Is using our time to become excellent in sports a response to the evil in the world around us? I'm awesome at sports, therefore I combat the evil in the world. Uh, Is devoting our time to having a big social media presence a response to evil? I got a lot of likes on that last post. I am combating evil. I mean, who doesn't like cat memes, you know? If the wise use of our time is in response to the evil of the world around us, who is the only one who has power over evil? God, Christ. 
and in us and through us, he makes that power manifest in this world. And it is through the use of our time that we combat the evil that is in the world around us. So it only makes sense, because of what he says there, that the wise use of our time means using our time to be available to God for service unto him and service unto the body of Christ. It sure doesn't make sense that the wise use of our time is about how well we can kick our soccer ball or how good of a shot I am when I see that 10-point that buck out in the woods or I have the best fashion sense ever. Well, I mean, not me, obviously, but I mean, you know, those things do nothing to combat the evil in our world. It is the power of God through the power of the gospel being proclaimed that combats the evil present in our world. And if it's the wise use of our time that combats the evil in our world, and it is the gospel that combats the evil in the world, then our time devoted to the gospel is what combats the evil in our world. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. So we've seen that... Actually, let me, let me back up for a second. Some may say, well, you know, uh, if I have... If I pursue and devote my time to a well-paying job, then I'll have lots of money to give to missions. Uh, if I pursue excellence in sports and become a well-known athlete, I'll have a lot of influence. Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is, you knew that was coming, right? So in essence, you are saying, I'm not using my time wisely now because there may possibly be a time in the future where I can make up for that lost time by serving God then. I'll give, my God, give God my time then because I didn't back then, so I'll make up for that time. Remember, there is no making up time. You're saying, well, if I devote myself now to getting a good-paying job, no, I'm not really serving God or the church, but if I get a good-paying job, I can send people on mission trips. God does not call us to give out of what we don't have. God calls us to give out of what he has already given us today, right now. Has God given you time today, right now? Yes, then what time should you be giving out of? The time you hope to have later? No. The time you have right now, today. Because when this minute is gone, it is gone, and if it was not used wisely, it is wasted. In 2 Corinthians 8, one of the best passages on giving, Paul talks about how the Macedonian believers gave out of what they had. And I'm not going to talk much more about that because that may come later. Uh, but we are to give out of what we have, not what we plan on having later. You don't know that you'll have a well-paying job. You don't know that you'll be alive. You don't know that you'll be a, an awesome athlete. You don't know if you break your leg in a car accident on the way home. You don't know about the future, so don't say, I'll use my time wisely in the future. You don't know that you even have a future. By the time I was 20, three of my friends from high school were dead. 
we don't know that we even have tomorrow. God doesn't call you to give to him tomorrow. He calls you to give him today, the time that he has given you today. If you're not a wise steward of your time today, chances are you're not going to be a wise steward of your time tomorrow either. Are you a wise steward today? Are you a wise steward of the time God has given you to manage? Are you using your time? Remember, a good steward is somebody who uses what is given to them in the way that the owner would want it to be used. Are you using your time in the way you know God would want it to be used? Well, God, I've got these 24 hours, and I'd love to spend some of it with you, but uh, my show is on. God, you give me these 24 hours, and I'd love to spend some time with you and, hey, even serve for you, but I got to practice tonight. Or I got to get up early in the morning. I can't spend time reading the Bible tonight, Lord. I got to get up early and get to practice. Sorry, Lord, I can't spend time with you right now because I need to work some overtime to, to pay some bills. Now, that one seems kind of harsh. Well, I got to pay my bills. No, what you have to do is honor God. In all reality, it is God who pays your bills. He is the one who provided the job. Trust me, he'll provide whatever else you need as well. Your responsibility is to make wise use of your time by using your time as God would want you to. And if you're not using your time to serve him and the body, you are not being a good steward of your time. I can't imagine that any true Christian through the ages has ever with his last breath said, oh, I wish I had not spent so much time serving God and his people. But I can't imagine people through the ages whose last breath was expelled with guilt riding upon it saying, I wish I had not spent so much time pursuing my own desires. I wish I had not spent so much time devoted to grabbing hold of what this world calls success. I can imagine there have been people who have spent their last breath that way. If you are willing to be a wise steward of your time, to give your time to God and to serving his people, you will never, ever regret your last breath. You will never regret your last breath. How easy is it for us to set aside our selfish desires and pursue God's? Can somebody say impossible? Because it is. So, I always feel like I preach these, these downer, condemning messages. But how many guys know that Christmas is bad news? Christmas condemns us all. Christmas was bad news in one sense. In the fact that we were in such a state that God had to become a man to fix it. Christmas is also good news because God became a man to fix it. But bad news is always in the Bible given to us because good news follows. So I'm not a bearer of bad news this morning saying, you've wasted your time, you might as well die now. We have all wasted time that could have been spent serving God, serving his people. And we cannot make up for lost time. You know what? God doesn't call us to make up for lost time. 
We can be forgiven for that wasted time. What God calls us is to give our time to him now that he has given to us. And by his grace, you can. By his grace, you can seek to use your time in a way that honors him and not to satisfy your own desires. By his grace, you can use your time in such a way that the body of Christ is built up and not just your own life and your own ego. By his grace, you can walk as a wise man and not as unwise. By his grace, you can make wise use of your time in response to the evil around us. All you need to do is realize that it's by his grace and quit trying to do it yourself. Cry out for his grace. And you may have no desire to live your life in a way that serves God and serves his people. You may have been burnt out. You might have gotten burnt up by what somebody said or what somebody else did. That was that time back then. You know, the time that's passed. Give God the time right now. The bitternesses, the frustrations, the unforgiveness, the hurts of the past. Give them to God now so that you can serve God now. We cannot serve God with a bitter heart. When we cling to past hurts, when we cling to past frustrations, we cannot also with that same hand cling to the hand of God. Cry out for his grace to forgive as he has forgiven you and then to use the time wisely because the days are evil. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore then, whether you eat or drink or in whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That means how we use our time. Do all to the glory of God. When we glorify God, do we, make, do we add to his glory? Everybody go, no. That, everybody, everybody go, no. no. Thank you. We do not add to the glory of God when it says, in all we do, glorify God. Uh, how many guys have ever seen a picture of the Andromeda galaxy? If you haven't, you should Google Andromeda, Gal- Andromeda galaxy. Andromeda galaxy, there we go. You should Google it. It is incredible. But if you go out and you look up in the night sky, you'll see it as just one of those other little pinpoints of light. But when you look through a telescope, you see it as it really is. Now, it's not that the telescope made the Andromeda galaxy bigger or better. It just magnified what the Andromeda galaxy really is. And that's what we do when we glorify God with our time. We magnify who God is so that all those around us see the glory of our God when we make wise use of our time. Are you serving God? Are you serving his people? We have opportunities here at Eden to serve. Are you too busy? We're always looking for people to fill spots, to do things. Are you too busy? How are you using your time? Is it to serve God and serve his people? or to pursue your own desires for what this world says is valuable. Cry out for God's grace. 
If he calls you to do something, he will give you the grace to fulfill it. That's the kind of God we have. Cry out for his grace. If you're with us this morning, you're not a believer, it's not so much giving God your time or anything else that he's given you, but it is about giving God yourself. In 2 Corinthians 8, that passage I talked about on giving, he says that when the Macedonians gave, they first gave themselves to God. We're going to celebrate here in a moment what Christ has done for us uh, through communion, through the Lord's Supper. There's uh, wine on this side and juice on this side. But if you have not given Christ yourself first, I want to invite you to stay in your seat and to contemplate that the life you have, you have only because God gave it to you. And up to this point, you truly have wasted it, just as every other single person in here did. You're not alone. You're not unique in having wasted your time up till now. Every single one of us, until we became a believer, our life was wasted. It is only in Christ that our time fulfills what it was given to us for, the glory of God. So if you're not a believer here, God doesn't want you to give him your time. He wants you to give him yourself by understanding that he came to die to pay the penalty for your sins, a death he didn't deserve, but you did, as all of us did. He came to pay the penalty for your sins, and he rose again on the third day, and he is coming again to judge. But he wants you before anything else. If you want to talk more about that, you can talk to me, you can talk to Pastor Harold, Pastor Matt. We would love to talk to you more about it. If you're with us today and you're a believer, but maybe you're a guest with us here today, we invite you to join us. This is for the body of Christ to celebrate, and we want you to celebrate with us because you're a brother and our sister. But uh, as we begin, again, keep in mind, this is a celebration of what God has done for us, of how Jesus gave his time to serve us and to glorify his Father. Let us in turn, by his grace, glorify him by using our time to serve him and others. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and thank you so much for the gift of time. We thank you that you give us time in order for us to give it back to you. Father, you are an incredible God who lavishes your grace upon us. May you find us being good stewards of that grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen.